House of Naco. Welcome to a special, special edition of House of Nako. I am your host, Nako, here for some post-debate analysis. It is September 12th. Yes, that's what the date is. And the Democratic debates have just aired on ABC Live and Direct. And a little begrudgingly... I'm doing this episode just begrudgingly, I say, because these debates are just getting even more pathetic as as we plug along here. And it was almost painful to watch the second one. I definitely wasn't as glued to the set as I've been in the past because it's just, you know, the same old, same old. But what I did tune in to today was as... And I've said this before on the show many times. I've quoted this direct quote from Mike Gravel, Senator Mike Gravel, who has mentioned or who has likened the first debate, at least he made quotes about the first and second debates, as being bad political theater. And that's exactly, once again, what we miss, witnessed today. It was so bad, it's like what I call cringeworthy. In the sense that it's funny, but it gives you that, like when I was watching Biden at points, watching him on the screen, just, it's, I was feeling bad, embarrassed for him. Like, it's like, you know, you're watching somebody that you know or care about just get themselves into something embarrassing. That's what was watching Biden today. And it was just, it was crazy. I hate that feeling. I really don't like feeling that way towards anything I've done. <laughs> I don't want to ever do anything cringeworthy or watch anyone that I know do anything cringeworthy or even watching something cringeworthy on TV. You get that like feeling that comes in your neck and you just have to like shrug your shoulders up to dull the pain. <laughs> and that's what it was painful. This, these events are just structured to, I I mean, it's so multi-layered what they're structured to do, but what we, what they are intended to do or what they fake to do is to keep voters informed. But this, to me, is just an opportunity to pander to, you know, certain groups and such, meaning that the candidates are just there basically to get more money from donors and you know put on a good show i feel like that's the bottom line of it and it's not to inform the voter because the questions aren't hard-hitting enough and even if they are 
the candidates don't answer the question and then they're not held to any level of accountability for that. But before we even get into some of those parts of the debate that were just majorly cringeworthy, I just want to say the first five minutes of the debate, I just was over it. Not even five minutes. Like, after they got over their introductories, when they... When they were asked questions about healthcare, I just lost it because, I mean, okay, not lost it, like got angry, but it was just like, why am I even bothering to watch this? This is a bunch of bull malarkey if I've ever seen it before. Because you have all of these people pretending like they're all on the same page. And really the only person up there who has been consistent about when we're talking about specifically about healthcare, has been Senator Bernie Sanders way before any whispers of the White House were in his mind. He's been talking about Medicare for all as a democratic socialist. So this is something that he has a history and track record of wanting and not just jumping on a bandwagon because it's going to make you look good for voters of a certain bracket and so on and so forth but all of them are up there and many of them said but and i'm taking bernie out of the equation because all of them are fake faking the funk i mean elizabeth warren is a good speaker i like the way she relates and how she speaks and she's incredibly intelligent i won't take that away from her but Yes, I'm going to look at her little side eye, not a little, like actually a whole lot, to know that she was, she tells the story of growing up poor and before she was exposed by Donald Trump as being one of these, oh, I have like 2% Cherokee in me type of, her story is like a true ragged dick, which those of you who don't know about the story of ragged dick, Google it. It's one of the first, um... The author escapes me now, but it was written like in the 20s. And this was like a fundamental piece of American literature where the term pick your up, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. That phrase comes from that book, Ragged Dick, because it's about someone who is not well off in this country, but through his hard work and determination, picks himself up, dusts himself off and has the American dream. Friend, but not a wife. That is a fact. Senator Klobuchar, we thank you for your time. Thank Good you. Luck out there it was the great to be trail. on. And by the way, it was a great debate. You guys should be really happy at ABC. We appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's so interesting. That was, um, um, we had some technical difficulties, but we were picking up some live audio feed from Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, who said it was great to bake, guys. Guys should be really happy at ABC. Yeah, they should be happy because they had mad advertisers, all the lobbyists and all the big pharma and oil people putting all their money into this so that their initiatives get that these candidates push their initiatives and not push initiatives that will help the American people. Probably the only other person who's not doing that is Andrew Yang, who's in his, who was in rare form tonight, 
my goodness, that whole, like, go to andrewyang.com and right now 10 families will win $1,000 a month for, I'm not sure the amount of time, but that just sounded like, I was like, oh, wow, these debates are now stretching into, you are going to throw contests now and giveaways? Oh, you're taking it there, Yang. So he definitely threw everyone for a curveball. But getting back to the healthcare thing, the reason why I was just so turned off was because many of the candidates were like, oh, well, we're all on the same page, which you're clearly not because there are only two candidates up there who are for Medicare for All, and that was Warren, who, as I was saying before, was a Republican for, or I didn't finish saying, but she was a Republican for a long time. She didn't switch over until her 40s or so, and she's in her mid or late 60s now. So that's a long time to be on that other side. That means you're Republican in the 80s, like with Reagan and stuff. Like, that's saying a lot. I'm sorry. It is. Like, I want to hear more about, and I feel like she probably doesn't want to focus on that because maybe not a lot of people know. But people know now, boo-boo. So why don't you just come out and be real about it and be like, you know what? Yeah, I was a Republican. Because when I was young, we were poor. And I won't be like the rich kids. So when I got a chance, I'll be going You can have some sad story and then tell us why you made the switch over. You're going to be seen more genuine and come across more real than trying to hide it. That's what I think, Lizzie. But the besides uh, Bernie and Warren, who are for Medicare for All, all of the other candidates were like, oh, well, we want people to get health care, but we trust Buddha Giga Gig was like, I, uh, what's wrong with everyone else up here is that I trust the American people to know what's right for them. You should choose you, not me, not the government. And I'm like, Buddha Giga Gig, look, Buttigieg, Klobuchar was saying some nonsense, just like him, Beto, all of them, all of you who are not for Medicare for all, in my opinion, are some type of pharmaceutical puppet and you are being somehow, you, not somehow, it's not like some crazy thing (laughs) that happens by osmosis this is you are in some sort of agreement you're getting money from big pharma in some sort of way so you have to push a certain agenda i'm coming to that conclusion yes do i have receipts to reveal today on house of nako no i don't i'm just using a little bit of thinking and common sense because I haven't spent years investigating this. This is just about asking yourself simple questions about you and your family and your friends. And that's a good realm or focus group to start with. You know, in uh, in psychology, they have focus groups and testing group A and group B. Like, so yes, you can look at yourself and your family and your friends and your community and try and gauge, you know, certain things. Obviously, that's not going to be representative of the whole country, but you can kind of gauge to see what's going on by looking at your community, at your immediate family, and then spreading it onto the community, you know? So the census is with healthcare, starting with yourself and starting with myself. I have never 
ever since been working and had the chance to receive health care during full-time work. Now laws have changed that part-time employees can even get access to health care. But that always wasn't the case, as you all know. So my experience with health care, I have never liked an insurance company, never liked a policy, never been happy with it. It Because it's nothing that Elizabeth Warren, if I have to say the only smart thing or thing that I agreed with what she said was about this very thing that I'm talking about. Nobody, she said, I have talked to people around the country and nobody is saying, oh my gosh, I really love United Healthcare. I really love that uh, $10,000 deductible that they're making me take, even though they take out of my check every single time. Like, who says that? There is nobody, nobody, okay? Nobody around who says that they love that deductible, that they love taking seven, five, seven thousand $7,000 out of their own expenses to pay for stuff before an insurance company will kick in. And then they're not even kicking in 100%. They're kicking in like 80. So like, what? you're making so much money. Like you're making so much money taking from people's checks every time that they get paid in case something happens to them. And then when it happens to them, you're not trying to, you give all these excuses about how you can't pay. Like, who's happy with that? Nobody. I have not heard anybody. And if they are, they're paid puppets to say, I really love my insurance company. Nobody loves it. So all of these, they use that as the first excuse as to why they can't have Medicare for all. Well, because millions of people are happy with their insurance. And it's like, you guys just keep saying that and it's become a narrative, a fantasy narrative for you all. But just because you're all repeating it and you're all on the insane wavelength does not make it so. Because everybody, you know, this is no longer the romanticized Obama years, okay? People are pissed. The The ramifications of the Obama administration are still being felt today. So nobody's under any sort of haze or rose-colored glasses. People are like, this is cray up in here, paying for all of this stuff. These people are crooks, and people know that. They know that. They know that when they're watching their TV show and a 10-minute pharmaceutical commercial comes on telling them to go ask their doctor to go prescribe them a prescription for restless leg syndrome. It might cure your restless leg, but it'll give you insomnia, urges to kill people or yourself, and bad, like, bowel movements for two weeks. And you're not even two weeks. It would be, like, for two years straight or something like that. And they say that rapidly really fast at the end interrupting your show and then putting into your mind like oh maybe I should ask my doctor about my legs are a little restless like these people are insane and we are all not stupid and watching the news and listening to the fact that they these companies are putting chemicals in their stuff that's not even that's supposed to be that's supposed to be helping people, but it's hurting people. We're talking about Monsanto with putting in all this poison in their weed killers so that people who had jobs to do gardening and use this became really sick and it became linked to this one particular product. And you've got in pharmaceutical land where they're being sued for billions and billions of dollars for oxycotton and prescribing it so rapidly to people 
because they want to make money but they know that it's going to kill them and this is straight up what like drug dealers do all the time uh, my husband and I stumbled across across some show on I think it's National Geographic which has like 20 seasons or something insane of that where they're just going through cities and towns with mad drug problems and they're following them around like you know with the black light on and these drug dealers have masks on and they hide their voices and they're telling like they're telling it like it is because they're they want to show off their lifestyle show off how hard they are but then they get anonymity so it's the best of both worlds for them and i remember one dude who was some heroin dealer and he basically was like injecting some type of poison on top of the heroin and they were the cameras were showing that and he said yeah the people who get this are gonna overdose and die <laughs> he said it straight up and he said it with no heart he didn't care he was just like yeah but when it gets out that someone overdoses over something it popularizes the product and people want it more so if a couple people die over the overdose, it's okay because I make my money. That is how the gangster and how like lawless and heartless these people are. But isn't that what pharmaceutical people are doing? They're just in suits and making multi-millions and they don't have to live their life in the shadows like these drug dealers do. But at the end, it's still the same. So we need to take i mean our government is corrupt as well but take healthcare away from these companies that are just looking about profit when they should be focusing on people and just do what the rest of the world or the rest of the modern world and the u.s wants to say that they're the best at everything so why don't you do what everyone else is doing but do it better because you all say that you're the best but to be have what you have now is just a system that is broken. <laughs> My husband and I were strolling, having a nice stroll in Manhattan the other day or where, wherever we were. And I made a comment to him like every other person on this street has a cane walking or has some type of walker. And they don't look like they're 75, 80 years old, like that typical you know hunched over old woman like these are people that look like they were 30 and 40 and 50 like with canes and stuff and I was like this is cane culture up in here this is madness why why are they all these young people can't walk straight and I mean a lot of it's drugs <laughs> a lot of it is drugs but a lot of it is not access to the type of health care that you should be receiving and a lot of it goes on economics and where you live and your zip code and your race and all that. And it's like, we can't be like that as a society. If we need to grow and be stronger as a people and as a nation and we want to be around this America for another 200 years, we can't do it on a nation of sick people because who's going to be there to continue the legacy if they're all hunched over on canes? Like, and oh, and going bankrupt because of this uh, healthcare system and student loans and all that. Like, so we've got to get it together if we want to have that same longevity that some of these other industrialized countries have that have been 
around much longer that we can look to to see like okay well you know they're doing better just like how bernie had to take people to canada to go and get their insulin medicine and pay a decent price because in the united states it's like a thousand dollars for a little drop of something it's insane I feel responsible for what the situation is today, for the sins of my own generation, and I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago. You said that some 40 years ago, but as you stand here tonight, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? Well, they have to deal with the, the, look, there is institutional segregation in this country. And from the time I got involved, I started dealing with that. Redlining, banks, making sure that we are in a position where, look, talk about education. I propose that what we take is those very poor schools, the Title I schools, triple the amount of money we spend from 15 to 45 billion a year, give every single teacher a raise of equal raise of getting out of the $60,000 level. Number two, make sure that we bring in to help the students, the, the teachers deal with the problems that come from home. The problems that come from home, we need, we have one school psychologist for every 1,500 kids in America today. It's crazy. The teachers are, and I'm married to a teacher. My deceased wife is a teacher. They have every problem coming to them. We have to make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school. School, not daycare. School. We bring social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, want, they don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school, or a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time get there. There's so much we, no, I'm, I'm going to go like the rest of them do, twice over, okay? Because, because here's the deal. The deal is that we've got this a little backwards. And by the way, in Venezuela, we should be allowing people to come here from Venezuela. I know Maduro. I've confronted Maduro. Number two, you talk about the need to do something in Latin America. I'm the guy that came up with $740 million to see to it those three countries, in fact, change their system so people don't have a chance to leave. You're all acting like we just discovered this yesterday. Thank, thank you, thank Mr. You Vice much. President. Secretary Castro. <laughs> thank you. Oh, my gosh. That was like one of the most bad. <laughs> it was just insanity. It was insanity reigning for two minutes and 21 seconds. Or I'd say two minutes because her question wasn't insane. And we said before we started taping because we've talked about this. Like, first of all, the first reactions to this, I looked over and uh, had some reactions. We had some guests over. And uh, one of them said that they were going to stop by today and share some reflections. So hopefully. Oh, hi. Oh. Hello? Hi. <laughs> hi. Hello. Oh, look. Who popped up in the studio just as I was saying it? <laughs> 
How serendipitous. Well, it looks like we have Tylenol Jackson Jr. in the station. Hi. <laughs> yes, hello, Tylenol. You've come just in time because you were here earlier with the debates. I know you had to step out and yeah, take you care know. of some business. but No, I'm running for so many different publications and I need to go on direct interviews about... Um... That's, that's, that's right. You're very. But of course, I want to be a part of this House of Narco experience. So that's why I'm taking time in my hectic schedule to be here. Oh, well, we surely appreciate. And I appreciate the little drink you have here in your studio, too. Nice. That's right. We wouldn't mind being sponsored by Willie Superbrew. But yeah, it's really delicious. It's refreshing and yet so. Cool. That's right. It has superfoods and kombucha in it. So it's got fermentation. So it's actually helping your gut process bacteria, which is very important. And you also get a little buzz on, you know. Yeah, so those 4.5% are pretty good for being one of these, I think. So that's 4.5. I would give anyway. it 4.5 uh, stars of 5. Oh, based that's on right. the percentage. 4.5 alcohol Maybe. content and 4.5 on yellow. House of Naco. So that was our commercial break. Now we are back and we are graced with Tylenol Jackson Jr., who, Hi. <laughs> who can just shed some light because we did have some initial reactions to Joe, that Joe Biden rant. But beyond the cringe and just not understanding what was going on, your face said a lot because you just looked. Oh yeah, in you shock. saw my Instagram post area. Yeah, I had a lot of people commenting on it. Yeah, you look shocked and bewildered and dismayed and scared all in one. So just talk to us about your reactions to hearing the answer to that question, please. Uh, that was just a reenaction of my uh, reaction. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I wasn't really sure if there was something I had been eating or drinking recently before watching it that made me feel like I felt. But I think I was shocked. It was weird. One of the weirdest things I've seen on television in a long time. Uh, you know, I don't even know what I was seeing really because I felt like the question that was asked him was completely different from his answer and felt like he was almost avoiding answering it and then he just had the script of something else he wanted to talk about how great he is and it felt like he just kept going on like some weird alien or something like just talking from a script and looking all crazy so that's why i was a little shocked <laughs> i think you really hit the nail on the head like that's we w w witnessed something very strange like you were saying tylenol that you haven't seen something like that on live TV before. Not live TV and not on a record player either. <laughs> oh my gosh. the rec And you said something so funny. You were like, well, look how he started off saying television, but then 
you scaled it back to, the to 1940s. like yeah exactly the 1940s and said record player in, you can see it it's scranton pennsylvania in 1943 <laughs> and in this little apartment little joe biden sits in front of his record player <laughs> Listening to like Bing Crosby, like, oh, these are the hits. Or he's like doing ham radio, like from Frasier. It's like nightmare. In. Yeah, he's showing how out of touch he is, how scripted he is, how just over he is. Like Joe Biden, just for I him. I mean, I think he just feels like he's. Dementia. Oh, yeah, dementia. Sometimes, like, he's acting like he's confused. You know, you remember when he was like, go to three, four, five, eight, six. (laughs) There's so many things. Go to my website. (laughs) No, but there's so many things. Like, he barely can keep some script, or like, that's all he can keep. Oh. teach him stuff and then if it's something else he gets confused and he calls Bernie Sanders president and it's like <laughs> I don't know it's confusing it but is... entertaining too entertaining yeah it's entertaining to an extent but then it's like these people honestly are trying to still make this dude the front runner yeah but then it's for basically anyone even themselves they should be pretty clear they want Trump to be president for another four years then. exactly I mean that's my only conclusion because I feel like it's pretty 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 <laughs> obvious that Joe Biden I know I don't know what to say it's like a joke like I said yeah like please and everyone can see that so if they continue to lie to you on corporate news to say joe biden is leading in any polls like and you people fall for it then it's on you because you're watching the same thing everybody's watching (laughs) and nobody can watch him but there were i saw people on twitter the paid you know pundits and the lack the, the what am I trying to say the um, the shills if you will of the this the establishment were backing Joe Biden like the Megan McCain's and the Maria Shriver was saying oh and they were all pointing to the only thing that you can say that makes Joe Biden like seem human or whatever is his response to grief but I don't want to sound insensitive because what he has gone through in his life the loss that he has gone through seems devastating and you know I'm sorry for that however I don't see how having loss and grief is going to make you a candidate for the presidency and make you a good president because you've experienced all of this grief and loss and you're telling us that you are you know that you've gone through all of this but you're strong mentally like first of all I don't know if anybody can has anyone like examined sat with this man and because that is a lot of loss and that is a lot of grief 
But like, imagine then Bernie Sanders can talk about his grandparents who died in the Holocaust and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Could do that. I mean, and that doesn't make Bernie like. I mean, that might make him more sensitive to like issues of you know loss and like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what what is the word um, ethnic cleansing people who've gone through those tech it's gonna make him more hopefully more um, sensitive to that but that does not qualify him that alone shouldn't be something that you bring up constantly just like I said with de Blasio bringing up his black wife and his half black children anytime a question about race comes up and he qualifies that by saying well look I got a black wife and I got black kids like that's not enough (laughs) like for me to vote you to be mayor but honestly I feel like that was a big attraction I have to be honest for me like it was because I didn't really know anything about Bill de Blasio's like record before he became mayor I just thought it was like you know, a new face would be fresh blood, someone but who's... yet we miss Bloomberg. <laughs> exactly! I mean, like, I feel like more stuff, more initiatives at least were taken with um, Bloomberg's administration and things have gotten more, I mean, in terms of, not maybe in ter- terms of housing, but I mean, you can't br- blame like rising interest rates and real estate stuff, or maybe you can blame it on Blasio. But I'm saying like Bill Hussein Blasio. <laughs> I'm just saying like we've lived in New York for many years now, and it's definitely been on the oh, decline. I only stayed there for what is it? I just came when the Blasio was reelected. Oh, when I say we, I was referring to my husband and I, Tylenol, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> anyway, I just want to say, we can't talk too much about the Blasio because he wasn't even in this debate, correct me if I'm wrong, oh, but yeah. I didn't see his long face. <laughs> <laughs> I just right. wanted to say two things before I forget it, and that is that the main thing is there is only one candidate that could... You know, that even feels like he could be president, and that's Bernie Sanders. I feel like everyone else has some sort of secret personal motivation why they're running. It's, well, you see, Bernie is like still this crazy, you know, like he's, he has this passion for what he's talking about, which you don't see at anyone else's crypto stuff when they're trying to sell and become. I mean, you know, it's like if very good face for anyone to if you want to get publicity so there's a lot of these people but then i also wanted to say something else and now i forgot it so take it away <laughs> when it comes back just jump right in time and i'll jump right in but yeah biden lost it uh he was losing it before this debate but at that very moment when he chose to take this question <laughs> the answer this way it was just very very clear that we the the whole world is on this 
the same page. I mean, you just, before you came, we were looking, publications around the world are talking about this debate and making fun of Biden, how off he was. And because he had many other flubs. It wasn't just this one, but this was one that just took the cake because... Yeah, even so, over in Europe, they said the headline in the news was that people making fun of Biden because it seems like he forgets stuff and he's just confused in general. That was the top news. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he was playing off of it. Like when he went on some late night talk show, he tried to pretend with the host that he f- was confused and thought he was on another show. So let's say, I can't remember, it was Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. He's on Jimmy Kimmel and he's like, yeah, well, being on the Seth Meyers show, it's like, oh, no, no. And that got a lot of big laughs. But you can't make fun of yourself for doing it and then keep doing it. Like, you, if you're going to come on a show like that and try to poke fun at yourself, I don't think you keep that up unless he really can't help it. And maybe they're trying to mask some early onset, all not Alzheimer's, um, but this dementia, you know, we talk about. Because I don't know what else like that could be because this man seems to be literally confused about where he is and what they're talking about. You've been asked. I've seen many politicians skirt issues. They're asked a question and they turn it around completely. But I feel like this, especially this debate, he was expected to really perform well. So for him to get, and you know, he's not. <laughs> but I feel like this was his farewell moment. Like I said, yeah. like when we watched, especially when I questioned about segregation and stuff mm-hmm. and slavery and was it that? Yeah. And when he just kept talking about something completely else, and you could <laughs> see his, he looked almost crazy. And like, <laughs> then it felt like it was going on so long, and it <laughs> felt like ABC almost did this as some sort of Joe Biden memorial kind <laughs> of thing. Almost like they let him talk. This is his last performance <laughs> on national TV, so let him go for a little longer. <laughs> That's how it felt. There's no way he's the candidate. No. I mean, come on, that's what we need to conclude as not even just a country, but the world. The world is now on the same page that if you all think that this man is the front runner, then you all are in collusion with each other, cahoots with each other to elect Donald Trump again. And there's something because there's no way that we all can say that this man is qualified like I even saw, even in this answer, I missed it the first time because I was so baffled by everything else. But he talk, brings up teachers when you're asked a question about like racism and slavery and you're bringing up education. He brought up redlining, which he was trying to act with something good. But redlining, he's like, I instituted redlining. And it was like, he was, as he was saying it, he knew, like, oh, I can't, like, be talking about redlining because it's actually something bad. So then he switched it to something else really quickly. But redlining, from what I understand, is what, like, lawmakers and banks do to draw at, around and redline poor and low-income 
neighborhoods, basically. <laughs> and redline them, meaning so that, like, tax dollars stop there, that they know where to put the the good stores, and they know where to put the bodegas and the check-cashing places. They know where to put the, the, the medical waste and, like, the landfills. Like, that's what redlining is. It's nothing good. Or if I'm, like, completely off, I didn't, like, look. This is a reaction show, so we didn't, you we know. We don't know anything, really. Yes. <laughs> not that we don't know anything, but we're not researching. It's not, like, one of the regular episodes where I research the topic. But even if I am wrong about redlining, I know it's nothing good. It's nothing to be like, I support... I was supporting the bill of redlining that it's not a good thing at all so that's why he switched it to something else but i heard him talk about teaching and that's when he brought up the listening to the radio but he evoked his dead wife he said my wife and then he mentioned not my current wife but i thought she was a teacher too jill Biden. i don't even know what she does i know she is she now jill biden the wife does no, anyone her, know? Her, his wife's name is Jill, and she's a doctor. I thought she. But was where a, is she at this very moment? Who knows? But I'm saying I thought she was a teacher too. But obviously, he said that his the wife that died in the car accident was a teacher. He's like, and they came home with problems all the time. My dead wife. I was like, why are you talking about her? Like at this, like you're just gonna take anything to be. Oh, my son, he was in the war and he died. He died. Like that's gonna be your answer for everything. Like what about climate change? My wife and kids. My son died. My father suicide. Remember, my dad. You can make a show between the glass and Joe Biden where they have different. My no. black kid, my dead wife. They have like a battle between each other. My dead wife, my black wife, my dead son, my black son. Like, what? <laughs> it's Joe and Bill de Blasio. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. They need to have some show because... No, I don't... People... I don't want... This is not about being insensitive or not... I mean, someone's... Man, you're so mean! Like, this isn't making fun of them. Like, I am an empathetic person. So here, when I first heard Joe Biden's story, it's... I mean, it's so... It is sad. It really is. And... You know... But it felt like it was also... When they wrote these questions... And they started the whole question was Joe Biden first. They knew what he was going to talk about. Of course. Like, this was like, okay, we have to give Joe Biden a little big questionnaire so he can rise up. Exactly. This is like the perfect for him because you can always go to these things. But it's obvious that it's just about... That's why I get so frustrated sometimes when I think about American politics because... Uh, you know, it is basically just acting, and it's like not real, really. It's more what they happen to say, how they phrase stuff, and what topic they're using. But it's 
That's why I feel like Bernie is just keep saying the same thing over and over, but he actually means it. Exactly. You can't see Bernie Blaine talking about something like that as in that he wouldn't answer stuff like that. I feel like he would Yeah focus on I mean I don't know, what do you think? I mean, it's, I don't think it's even something I have to think. It's like we know since we've, you know, we're following him and volunteering for his campaign in 2016, like what his doctrine has been, what his MO is and what he's been saying, his record and what he has been, what he has stood for stands for itself. And you're yeah, right. Yeah, but you want someone that is standing for the same thing the whole time, and it's something good. Isn't that what you want from a president? I someone would, yeah. a lot of experience and said the same thing and, like, have deep knowledge of it. I think the United States will never, ever have a better chance to get a better president ever in the history so far. Yet. Yeah. Say. I, yes. To have a president that's not governed or not motivated by greed and wealth and who is taking a hard line against greed and, like, just the disproportionate way that wealth is spread out in this country, who's taking... There hasn't been a president like that. All the presidents have been on board. Maybe Jimmy Carter. And they only made him a one-term president. He was trying to do something peaceful. And they were like, nope. No. But Jimmy Carter doesn't have the chutzpah (laughs) that Bernie Sanders has. Like, Jimmy Carter... I mean, God bless him. This man is 90-something and still got his wits about him and can be you know he's still sharp and there and with it and I I think he's he tried his best to promote peace but he also I feel doesn't have the I feel better about a Bernie as president he is not he doesn't have the character of like rolling over like, this is a man who has stood... I know he's done this filibuster thing in Congress many times. I know it's not just once. Many Congress people can't even say that they've done it once. Like AOC and them. I know they just started or whatever. But basically what I'm talking about is like being on the Senate floor and speaking for hours like on one topic. Because it's like... They have all these weird bylaws, bylaws and laws and Senate and, you know, whatever. And if somebody is before, like, a bill is turns to be a I can't even pretend that I can explain this correctly, but... You can log into www.wikipedia.org. <laughs> Which is a great source for information. You can edit and do whatever you want and write anything you want on and change history forever. www.wikipedia.com. org. You didn't say like 16 No, but I was, what I was also wanting to say quickly is if you look on the candidates that were up on the stage today, 
How many of those people do you think in any kind of way get some monetarian peace for their candidacy? candidacy? I ask you and I want to hear an answer. <laughs> Go right ahead, President. No, my friend from Vermont. <laughs> oh, actually, I did grow up in Vermont. Um, so you're saying who gets paid? No, but who do you think are paid of all this that are, who are up there? Is there? I feel like at the end there's only one candidate that you know is not paid for by some other in interest. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like I can even see Elizabeth Warren getting money from someone for doing. Something. Even say she seems like she will bow down to the biggest dollar. She does not seem like a woman of integrity at all when it comes to that. Sorry, Lizzie, you don't. You seem. And this was revealed during Hillary. Oh yeah, you were. You in a minute will be like, can you? Can I be your vice president? So I feel like you will drop and I feel change. Like there's a lot of mini Hillarys in this candidacy, like her people spread out around, Ugh. like the Blas. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Warren, probably Corey, Booker, Hillary. Hmm. I, you know, also looking at those candidates because these were supposed to be the top polling candidates, right? That we're on today. Um. It was just, I just, it was just shameful for the Democrats. I was like, this is the best that you can do, minus Bernie. It was just, like, sad to see this lineup. It's like, if any of you besides Bernie think that you can go up against Donald Trump, you all are delusional. And like I said, you want Trump then, because there's no way any of you can get up. He will eviscerate all of you. Bernie is the only one that... He could try to make fun of him, try to come up with these one-liners, but when Bernie keeps hitting him with those facts, when Bernie keeps yeah, hitting you know, him, no, it's true. With the, I mean, especially if you go one by one on the candidate and imagining that person against Trump, it's pretty fun no? to see what's her name, Kamala oh, Harris Kamala versus Her- Trump. How would that be? She yeah. thinks she's so tough, but he'd be like, please. You were the worst in your state, Kamala. You're all over the place, place, Kamala. You're a puppet of the industry, Kamala. She'd be like, no, no, but no. I mean, <laughs> no. She's like, when I was the prosecutor in California, Imagine I that other woman. wanted What's her name? to protect people. Clock and block. <laughs> clock and clock and bar. She. She can't. She seems like. She doesn't say, this is not real for her, really. She's just standing there still, <laughs> a little shocked and smiling, like, is this even happening that I'm up here? She reminds in, She's standing me in the shadow, so there's no spotlights on her. Of, like, somebody's mother that, like... No, it's true. She's, like... Somebody's mom... Yeah, like, when she's... Feel like, I had friends, mothers that was looked exactly... Yeah, like, like her. Like, she drives one of these minivans... And, you know, her kids are... Not that there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Oh, there's something wrong with a minivan. No, there's nothing wrong. But I'm just saying she does not give off any vibe of being presidential at all. She reminds me of somebody's mother who writes 
um, greeting cards for a living. That's what she reminds me of. Someone who sits there. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> a sketch artist to paint newborn babies <laughs> at the neighbors for like $25. Yeah. She seems like that. And like, you know, like her kids are grown and she's got empty nest syndrome and her and her husband like garden and sit at home and eat pistachios. <laughs> but yeah, what of those people? Like, not someone who... Can you see this woman, like, meeting with heads of state at the G-whatever-summit? At that point, what would be the G-25,000-summit or whatever? Can you see her sitting with uh, the president of France and, like, all these dignitaries? It's It seems like whatever she's done has been local in Minnesota... <laughs> Minnesota and if she wanted to do something like that like in her town like okay Sarah Palin was <laughs> like so you can be something too but president you honestly think like Amy talk. you up against this Trump like he I just think he would just laugh I just don't even think he would be like well, what? what is this who are you again Minnesota He'll be like, your state, your state is failing. Like, all he'll do is, like, pull up your, like, record. When these people did it, she didn't even know really how to answer it. Yeah, she doesn't seem like... I mean, she does... I don't think she really thinks she even has a chance. I don't really know why she's there. I don't think she knows why she's there. Yeah, exactly. But what about Young versus Trump? I think that would actually be interesting because from what we know about Trump, his success has come because he had a rich father and an inheritance to work with. And he used marketing and publicity to become famous with his hotels. It's not his business savvy or his intellect that made him some real estate mogul. Like, the path was already it drawn. Was his heritage. Yeah, pretty much. And then he... he What I give Trump for, and we've talked about this for Tylenol, is his savvy on marketing and branding and, like, really knowing and owning the media. Like, that's what he is perfect at. Um... But other than that, we're not talking about some talented, like, shrewd businessman. Oh, and he likes to fire people, too. Andrew Young, it seems like I haven't done a lot of research about him, but it does seem like he's the type of person who grew his business, you know, came and pulled himself by his own bootstraps and made himself a success in business, like, with his intellect and his savvy. So it'd be like two businessmen against each other and one actually is... But he doesn't fit presidential. No. Young. Is it young? Yeah. I feel like he's not that old. He can't have that much experience outside whatever he's doing. Like we said, he can't really... Can you see him being the head of... U.S. military <laughs> <laughs> when there's a crisis in yeah, Iran yeah. is he gonna be there in the bunker under the White House with the 
town. The situation room. You can't see him there on the right. He'd be like, this is dope, y'all. So yeah, if uh, in the little commercial break here we talked about if you were a Republican watching this debate, what was what would your feelings be right now? Except for a feeling of joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be breaking out that Moet, that Cristal, that <laughs> um, really expensive wine. Because Trump 2020 is guaranteed. Hey, that's what I would say if I was a Republican. After watching this debate like this, I'd be happy about the hot mess. The hot mess that was this debate. If I was Jimmy Dore, if I was Jimmy Dore, I would say, don't give up. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's gonna be Bernie versus Trump in the end. This is just a long, beautiful movie, beautiful struggle, and at the end of the day, it's gonna be Bernie running against Trump, and that's when the real interesting stuff is gonna happen. Well, I mean, I definitely am with you there with wanting that. I just know how much this DNC, how corrupt, you know, this is. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I definitely feel like there will be consequences for this DNC trying to pull some stunts. Or uh, again. Yeah. Yeah. If I they think do it the again, same people will. The powder is going to be yeah. gone in a very short time. Exactly, which probably needs to happen. So, I mean, I don't think they have to completely be extinguished. Extinguished. Extinguished as a part. I think they should have more parties, like most other countries, except some. That's probably a lot of them. But there's a lot of countries who has a lot of, like, you know, a multi-party system where you have seven, ten different parties to vote for. Yes. Which is usually <laughs> interesting to me. That's right, Tylenol. I think Tylenol is ready to exit yeah, the building. So I'm going to be on the Young Turks in half an hour. So oh, snap. Well, we're definitely glad that you could come by House of Naka with your busy schedule and all. Uh, no, it was my pleasure and... Uh, if I have time, I want to just give a special shout out to Christina and Ann Christina in Ohio and all my friends and family over at UMass. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. <laughs> and with that note, thank you, Tyler Jackson Jr. And we hope to have him back on the show to discuss what I believe is his new book and it's going to be Life After Act oh yes that's right you heard it here folks Live After Act by Tylenol Jackson Jr and with that we thank you for this 
recap episode. Thanks for hanging in with us and stay tuned for more fresh and fun content. Thank you.